0: This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast. And today we are incredibly fortunate and we're enjoying the hospitality of the world headquarters of JTown. And we have with us today is Cindy Abramson and Amy Becker, co-founders, co-directors of JTown. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to visit with us.
1: Thank you for having Thank us. you.
0: Absolutely. Well, tell me a little bit about JTown what it's all about, who you serve, and why you started it.
2: Okay. Well, J-Town is a nonprofit organization that we created to offer opportunities for people to create connections and community with other Jewish people. And the people, we say the people who share their lives. So we have a lot of interfaith families. And so we want the interfaith person to be just as comfortable as the Jewish person. So, we kind of created this place that isn't really a place. It's a metaphoric place. We don't have a building. So, we say J Town is wherever we are together. And we do, we have a lot of social things that we do just for fun. And we do a lot of community service. That's a huge, a huge part of our mission. And we offer a lot of teen programming. And then we do some alternative worship services, which means that we do a Shabbat service once a month. And we do high holiday services and Passover. And they're all lay led, so are leading them, but we encourage um, everyone to participate. So we typically will have, you know, five or six people come up from the community and take part in the service each time we we do it.
0: You you know, as you were talking about why you did this, you know, it says we wanted to form a community. Was there not a community available for these folks?
2: Judaism has changed a lot over the last few decades. And Jewish families look a lot different than they have in the past. And research is showing that there are more interfaith families now than uh, Jews married to Jews in the generations that are coming up now. And so a lot of people don't fit into that traditional synagogue model anymore. And also it's very, we're very spread out now. It didn't used to be like that. We used to kind of all congregate in one little, one little neighborhood or, or part of the city and Denver as it's sprawling. So our, Jewish people and their families, and it's, uh, they're, you know, they can become a little isolated and mm-hmm. just not really have a place to be Jewish. Amy and I worked together for about 10 years at a synagogue, a traditional synagogue. And so we, we both left at about the same time, I think a month apart, and spent a few months, uh, each of us looking for another job. And it was really, really hard because at our previous job, we had so much passion and we cared so much. And we loved the people so much that we couldn't find anything to replace that feeling in a work environment.
0: At your other job, what was it that you guys were in charge of?
1: We did the administration of the synagogue. So um, I was the executive director for some time. I had also been the assistant exec, program director, preschool director. Cindy was the communication and marketing director. And she had also worked with our religious school as the assistant director so we both had had various roles over a long period of time and one thing that we were always passionate about was the relationships that we created with people
0: yeah because so you guys knew everybody one way or another you know being a director and and what you did as well there wasn't anybody that walked through the door that you didn't know didn't know their kids you know, didn't know the family
1: yeah. right.
2: Yes, it's a pretty large congregation. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Amy was there for 23 years, so she was a kid when she started. Yeah. Um, so she, <laughs> she
0: started, yeah, uh, yes. like five she or was six. Like six,
1: yeah. six yeah. 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 you You're winning a lot of points.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and before we forget, for the folks that are watching the video, mm-hmm. we do have fruit drinks on board. Yes, we do. We have the J-Teenies this on board. J-T.
1: Everything has a J in front of it. That you're sitting in J headquarters <laughs> and we have a J dog at our feet.
0: Yes, I've met yeah, the J yes, dog. Yes, yes.
1: And then we both have mothers who are very supportive. So they're J mamas. And Cindy created this wonderful cocktail called J teeny.
0: Well, but, so, so people are going to want to know. Okay. Are the ingredients secret?
1: Um, no, <laughs>
2: because I think. Not now. Because <laughs> I think life would be better for just about everyone if they would make themselves a J-Teeny. <laughs>
0: um, and if it's not, they think it is.
2: Actually, a little trivia, this drink actually started out as the Amy Teeny, which was a party for Amy, her oh. um, retirement party. And I wanted to create a signature drink for her. And so it started as an Amy Teeny. And then when we started J-Town, we made it our official our official drink. And it is Deep Eddy's Ruby Red Grapefruit Vodka. You can make it with soda, but this is actually La, la, croix, la fruit, croix, right? like club soda and a little lime. And that's
1: it.
0: You know, you've got to get your fruit.
2: It's you know, exactly daily, right.
0: You know, fruit, yeah. fruit and
2: grains. Yes. yes I, yeah. yeah. Yes. And then I get my exercise going up and down the stairs.
0: And lifting those heavy bottles.
1: Yeah. Well, and you yeah. have to drink it with a certain attitude, yeah. <laughs> like you're going to conquer me.
0: <laughs> well, you know. You know, the world is now trembling slightly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so and, they little, yeah. and they should. And they should. Well, you know, so you guys had history and mm-hmm. you had success, mm-hmm. you know, and, and had community. Mm-hmm. And then you retired mm-hmm. and you guys were out there searching for mm-hmm. the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And take me to the time where you guys were looking at each other and says, you know what we're going to do? Yeah. We're going to form J-Town
2: was actually down here, and we got together and just were talking and you know we were um, it was hard to leave jobs that we were at for so long and people you know we had a staff that was very close and was kind of like our work family and so it was hard leaving for a lot of reasons. Yeah. so we yeah. you know we're kind of just getting together talking and it's like where can we we have such this unique skill set? What can we do with this and then then this one's like, you know we should do something together. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. I want to do something different. And then she started to talk about creating what we were missing most about where we came from Mm -hmm. and about the relationships and about the people and about the importance of offering these opportunities for community.
0: You know, and when you guys formed this, so you, you went through the drill, you did your 501c3 application and you got squared away. And quickly, very quickly. and then what? What'd well, you do? We
1: really, and I think this is such an important piece is that we sought support from people we knew, knew us and could help us, could be resources for us, and who also would just be honest with us if they didn't think what we were thinking would resonate. So we really had some wonderful support, and those people have basically become our board. They helped us apply for our 501c3 and they've helped us with our mission and have continued. And so we're blessed by that. That's Mm -hmm. what helped us get our start.
0: So you guys got some positive feedback from the folks, basically your advisory board or board, Mm -hmm. right? And so you got that and you go, well, maybe there's a need because I'm assuming that you responded. And so when you went out for your first marketing effort to see if people were wanting to take and participate with J-Town. What reaction did you have?
2: Some good and some not so good. I think part of it is that it's a little hard to explain what J-Town is. And a lot of people thought we were trying to open another synagogue. And that's not at all what we were trying to do. So, But the people who are still around today, and especially the people on our board, love the idea. We were pretty far along. We went fast. So we did. It was, I think, 90 days from conception to our announcement and commencing business. Yeah. yeah. We didn't get our 501c3 that fast. You know, we did it, but, you know, they,
1: six months we had our 501c3.
0: Yeah. That doesn't sound fast, but compared yeah. to uh, 14 months, two years, it's fast. Yeah.
1: Some people take it. Right. Some organizations are three years. Yeah. So, and we were lucky they accepted it the first time.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you had some good advice. We did. Yes.
2: We had we some did. good advice and, and Amy and, a couple of people on our board worked very, very
0: hard. And so do you guys keep track of the the members in J-Town?
1: So we're not really a membership organization. Okay. We have something we call a J-Towner fee that actually offers discounts and tickets to our high holidays, which mm-hmm. is our most important set of worship services during the year. So people can receive those tickets and discounts. If they don't, they can still participate equally um, they're not seen any different, but they don't get the same frequent flyer miles, as we put it. So it's worked really well. We do have over 100 households now who are J-towners or pay that fee, plus probably another 50 or 60 households that participate in what we do. And it's growing all the time. And kind of the the
2: reasoning behind that is that we don't want people to feel like they have to pay to be a part of a community. So if you come, of what's happening and in each thing we do is a community thing. Um, so you don't have to make a financial commitment or um, any kind of membership commitment. And we think that that model is, it's very different. And so it's kind of taking a while for uh, people to understand. But hopefully, I think that it's mm-hmm. getting to be more well-known.
0: And this is what you guys are doing between the two of you pretty much all the time.
1: Yes, oh. full-time plus. Yeah.
0: Understand the plus. Understand the plus. So, you know, when, when you look over from the start and you go, God, I wish I'd known that when I first started. Have you had any of those moments?
1: No, if anything, I wish I would have known the reaction that's been so positive when we started because there were times, you know, at the beginning where you're considering, are we doing this the right way? Have we taken the right approach? And what we found out is that all the things, all the way we set up our mission and our goals is really resonating with people. And it's not any doubt now that we're going to make it, which is really exciting. In the beginning, I was a little skeptical. And so I'm like, we have a 10% chance
2: of making this work. And uh, then she'd check in with me every now and then. Where are we at now? Where are we at now? And so for in a year, we went from 10% to 100%.
0: That that reminds me of the United Way thermometer that you yes, see exactly. for fundraising. Where where are we today? Well, today we're that's at like right. nine. Right,
2: right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, was it was scary. Fun. It was scary, and it was risky. And
1: so, yeah, I think if we could have known, you know, known a little earlier that it actually would work, we don't have any regrets from day one till now. It's been fulfilling for us as the staff people, fulfilling for us as participants in the community. Our families have engaged with it. Our husbands have supported it and been our not only our biggest fans, but have worked it with us in many ways. Our my teens are involved and Cindy's kids are so supportive and one plays on our our softball team. So that means something when you have that kind of support, not to
0: mention our mothers. The J moms.
1: And our parents, my parents and we've been very fortunate and very blessed to have that.
0: And so, you know, in, in looking out to the future, how do you see the organization changing, morphing, or going into the future?
2: I think that it's going to be the people who come. We want the people who come and participate to be the ones that plan the future. So we try to just facilitate that. And so we always have our feelers out for what people are saying and what people are wanting. And then we really think through whether we can make it happen successfully or not, which is why we've kind of started slow and just added things slowly because we want to know that we can do it and do it right. So, you know, if we have, let's say we have a bunch of young families that want to start something together that's for young families in particular, which we kind of are are starting to do right now, then we'll go that direction with them.
0: For an offering, when you first started out and you said, we're going to provide this particular thing for our community, what was that?
2: It was a hard time because I'd been a member at where I worked since I was six years old. So I didn't know any...
0: Not that long ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 20 years ago. So I didn't know anything else as far as Jewish community. And the high holidays were very closely coming up. And my dad had been very sick in the last few years of his life and just couldn't, he couldn't sit in services. It just was too much and it was too hard. And and so there were several years where we were just, our little family would take chairs and we'd just go to a park and we'd sit in a circle and we just kind of go through the book together and And we do our little service. And so maybe we could do something like that. And, you know, maybe there are other people that don't necessarily have somewhere to go. And let's just see what happens. If we have 50
1: people, we are going to be thrilled. Well, we had, how many did we have? 230 over three services.
0: You over succeeded. Yes, we did. We did. You think about the, we hope. And then all of a sudden you go, it's almost like, uh uh-oh.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Our yeah. first set of services, a man walked in that I had known and did me and said, I'm lost. I mean, it's kind of directed us many times back to why we're here. I looked at him and said, no, not anymore. And who knew at that moment where we would be? That man has been to every event that we've had with his beautiful wife. And it really has motivated us in such a way. We support the people that come in so many different ways. You know, the saying about it's not really what you say, it's how you make people feel. That's what Cindy and I focus on. We could have the most amazing program that is spectacular and perfectly directed and presented, or we could have the worst. If people have a good feeling when they're there, they feel accepted, welcomed, included, that's what they're going to remember in addition to some of the other details. But We really believe that no matter what you do, if people feel good about being there, they'll be back. And they keep telling us we've never had this feeling before.
0: And for the folks out there going like, Mm -hmm. all right, what do I do to create that feeling? Because we hear that and you kind of go, that's nice. I would like to do that. What did you guys do specifically to start trying to create that atmosphere or culture of welcoming?
2: I think initially it's part of both of our kind of personalities in general. But I think that we, I mean, a lot of people say this, but we really don't judge. We believe that everybody's kind of on their own journey. Everybody has their own Jewish identity and it's all fluid. And so we just kind of accept people where they're at. And it doesn't matter who they're married to, where they live, what they look like. How much money they have, none of it matters. It's just you're welcome here. And we really try to be accepting for people for who they are and be friendly. And then we always make a point to remind people that this is our community. So please make sure you introduce yourself to people that you don't know because it's not just our responsibility. It's everyone's responsibility to
0: make this feeling. It can't just be from Amy and I. You know, and when you say that to them, do you see them behave differently? Do you see them introduce themselves around?
1: We do. We give them hints and expectations. I mean, when we start a worship service, we say, you have only one job to do, and that is to introduce yourself to other people. So when you're in line at dinner, or you sit down at the table, meet each other. This is what makes community work. And they do. I mean, it's like, oh, thanks for the direction. (laughs) And then they're off and running. And it makes it much easier for Cindy and I to work our way around the room. We also try and be very aware of everybody. We look around the room. If somebody's not sitting with someone else, we'll sit with them. We're out to make everybody
0: feel included and (laughs) welcome. Do you guys have the gift of when you walk in a room, by the time you're done, you know everybody in there?
1: And the vibe. Cindy talks about the vibe a lot. She says, how did you say that? Uh, Your vibe attracts
2: your tribe. And I didn't make that up. I actually heard that and I loved it because it was a couple months in. And I'm like, that's exactly our mission is to create that vibe. Um, And so we are, we're attracting this tribe of people. And when we have, uh, we usually have 50 or 60 people at our dinners, um, our Shabbat dinners, which we have once a month, we have one long table always. So it's one community and we're all together and it's different people. Some people come every time. Some people will come, you know, we usually have at least a few new people every time. And so it's kind of a mix.
0: You know, I, I think about you go to various meetings, right? And the people that know each other and they always take and go hang out with the people they know. And that's not my nature. I'm not going to know everybody in the room. You know, and by and large, I'll go stand off to the side. And a number of years ago, this lady came up and said, I saw you standing over here by yourself. I said, Yeah. She said, I always made it a point to find the one person standing by themselves and go talk to them. So Mm -hmm. since that time, I'll go to the place and I'll look for that one person, you know, and I think about.
2: Is that hard for you?
0: It's out of my comfort zone. Mm
2: -hmm. It actually is for me as well, because it's not in my comfort zone to go walk around the room and and schmooze and introduce myself and stuff. But I, but it's getting easier and I'm doing it over and over and over again. So, because I'm usually the one, you know, in the corner.
1: Not anymore. But you know, be. we've also found that it's not just about welcoming somebody as they come in. It's also saying goodbye as they leave and being really aware that they're leaving and asking them to come back and we would love to see them again. I think that's as important as anything we do. Well,
0: it's like welcoming them into your home.
1: Yeah, exactly. And
0: please, thank you and
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. That's quite the mission for you guys to come out of where you're at and say, we're going to take in because, you know, I think about you're trying to solve a pain point effectively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you're going to, you know, either you guys felt it, heard it, or there was a need and somehow or another, you felt moved to the point to solve the pain point. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: And then you look and you go, we think it's there. Right. And then you guys execute and you have a, 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 the board must have thought so.
2: We spent a lot of time, a lot of time, weeks, Mm -hmm. talking about what we called our why's. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not our original idea, but um, we watched something that talked about how important it is to do that first. And so it's not a natural way of, because usually you want to go, well, here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to do it. But we started with why. And we we have a, a whole list of our why's and we always go back to it. Not that, that's our song. That's the Laverne and Shirley theme song, making our dreams come true. So that was a gift to me from Amy. We used to sing that on days we were a worried, know. but we don't have those days very often anymore. Yeah. Anyway, so I think when you start with those whys, mm-hmm. it helped us really pinpoint and and focus and and come out of the gate with with things that were going to be, had a higher chance of being successful.
0: You know, in the interfaith families, what reaction are you getting on the, from the interfaith families?
1: Very positive. I mean, we have people who are Jewish participating with a Jewish spouse. And we have people who are participating who have a non-Jewish spouse. And we have some of those non-Jewish spouses involved on our board. We accept everybody and include everybody as an equal. So it just doesn't matter. And I think not having those labels is really important. Our world right now is filled with labels. And I think it's a discredit to what you're doing. So we are trying to do away with that and just make it about people.
0: Well, you know, we were talking beforehand that you guys have a project coming up. And we're here. This is July of 2018. Mm-hmm. And for the folks that are listening somewhere down the road, this event's going to happen in November of this year. And it's called Project Our Town. Let's talk about Project Our Town from how you came up with the idea to what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Well, it started in the shower for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I got it. I, I, you know, you, sometimes you do your best thinking in the most unusual places. So I had had, Cindy and I both had experienced similar, make a difference day, community service days. And we got together that particular day and started talking about that. And before we knew it, we were creating this magical community service opportunity with several goals. One goal, of course, is to go out in the community and help those who are either underserved or living in some really unfortunate circumstances or people that really just can't help themselves. So that was our main goal. And what we found is that we could do a lot of different things, set up a lot of different projects that we could then invite potential volunteers to come and do alongside And we started with a small council that we call our leadership council. We delivered this idea of Project Our Town, and now we have over 50 volunteers working towards this November 10th and 11th date. And the other ideas behind Project Our Town is that we want people to not be intimidated by volunteering for agencies. We want to educate people about the good that's happening in our community, greater community, how these agencies, there's so many more than you could ever imagine. And so we want to educate people and encourage them to continue volunteerism. So it's sort of a multifold event. We're trying to accomplish a lot of things in addition to helping people. Along the way, we've planned drives. Every month, we've had a different drive from a food drive to a toiletry drive. And now we're doing a backpack and school supply drive. And all of the things that we collect are packaged and sent to those in
0: need. You know, for the the folks out there go, geez, we'd like to do something like that in our community. When you talk about organizing a drive from thought process to planning to who's the champion and execution, can you guys Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, you got to start with some passion. I always think that's the most and determination because... You really have to put some work into it. It's something that can be done on your front porch, at your place of business, at your children's school, just approaching the right people. And we have the gift of social media now, which has been wonderful. So if you have a lot of people that you connect with, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or Snapchat, or I'm probably saying the wrong word, any of those, you use them to your advantage. With collection, it's deciding what you want to do and who you want it to go to and then approaching the right people to support
0: you. And how do you know who the right people are?
1: Well, if you're at your place of business involving your HR department and asking them to put the word out to coworkers, so you're promoting it and using your work life as a benefit to to all of these people. For me, I wanted it on my porch, so I've put the word out on my neighborhood Facebook page and ask people to bring things, which they've done. And we have some other people on our leadership team that have done that and been very successful. We also have two businesses, Baker's Way and Bullock Mortuary, who have bins in their places of business and they've helped us to promote and we've promoted that anybody can drop things off to them. So we engaged the community that way. And it's been really great and successful and it's growing. And then
2: we just choose really um, consciously who we want to deliver the items to that we collect. And we're trying to do to find organizations that maybe don't get as much support as some of the bigger organizations.
1: And then our weekend, November 10th and 11th, all day, each of those days, Saturday and Sunday, we will have volunteers going in groups and teams out into the community to to fulfill projects, which all of the volunteers would have pre-registered for. We set them up on a team and there's a team captain. We anticipate having 80 projects and over 800 people that weekend. And it's an annual event that we will be doing every year.
0: You know, and I think about the team leader in the project. What's the range of projects that you guys are going to be doing out in the community?
1: Um, Everything. And
2: it's so great because we're able to be really creative. And we've been going to organizations and, and really putting together with them, like, what would help you? as opposed to coming in with our own ideas. And so like we had a, a call with uh, the Mental Health Center of Denver just a couple of days ago, we were able to put together at least five projects. They have a, an actual house that where they home homeless people. And so we're going to have a team of people go and make a meal for them and do some kind of social things with them. And there we have a couple of projects set up like at Denver Children's Home, which is a residential and day treatment facility for some of Colorado's really neediest kids, these kids of abuse, neglect, and serious mental illness. And so we're able to go in and do something with those kids. We're going to do it each Saturday and Sunday. We'll have a group go in and we'll do a party or we'll do some fun activities. We're going to do some art projects with another homeless place. And so that we're going to ask them to actually do create cards to give to another organization. So like they may create cards, maybe they'll, they'll decide they want to send them to veterans. It's Veterans Day weekend or people who are overseas or children, but to give them the opportunity to help someone else when usually it's always them is very empowering and makes them feel really good about what they're doing. So we're, we're kind of trying to mix and mingle and we're doing things for like diapers. And-,
1: and we have events we have things planned, projects planned that people can do in their home if they can't mm-hmm. get out. We have things for people who are a little more shy about going to an agency that will be where we house our weekend. We have all kinds of opportunities for all different ages. Mm -hmm. And we're really excited. We've had some businesses reach out to us and say, we'd like to send a team of people. We really like to do social action work. So that is really exciting to us. Mm -hmm. The whole idea, it doesn't matter what religious denomination you are. Anybody can participate in this Mm -hmm. and are more than welcome to.
0: Big things.
1: Huge. Yeah. And
2: everybody working side by side because it doesn't matter where you come from or what religion you are. When we all come together like this, it's just like magic things happen. And I think people are more than ever looking for something to do because things in our world seem so upside down. And sometimes we feel helpless. And this has been our way of easing that feeling a little bit.
0: You know, when, when I grew up as a kid, you knew everybody in the neighborhood. I mean, you did. You went outside and played, yes. you know, and you knew everybody and, and, you know, you didn't have the social media and, you know, as right. much as that's supposed to be empowering, I think it's isolating. It can be. And for you guys out there, you know, people making friends and getting to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes a little bit, yeah. you know, so you guys have a strong belief system in your organization and, Do you find as you're going down the road and as you get more mileage and understanding, has your core belief in what you're trying to do changed or been strengthened by what you're seeing on your journey?
2: I think it's been strengthened. Our two kind of words that just always seem to come up are we want to create things that are meaningful and relevant. So things that make people feel like they're doing something important, but also things that are relevant to the time that we live in now. As opposed to, especially with our services, some of the things that are hundreds and hundreds of years old, we're trying to kind of give them more contemporary things to think about. I mean, we usually will talk about a little bit about what's something that's going on in the world and uh, different ways to, to kind of poke at it and look at it and make people think. And so I think that we keep doing that. So for me, I think it's made it a lot stronger. And its I've always had this you know, community service piece in me. But it is intimidating. And so I haven't always been able to do it. You know, people don't know who to call, where to go. Will we be safe? Can we take our kids? You know, will it really help? Is there something you know, else we can do is besides just send a check? And so I love the way that we're doing this. We're going to have a directory at the end that we pass out that's going to have the information about all the agencies, all the contact information so that people have access to all that information each year. We're hoping they have such a good experience. They want to continue doing it. And we're hoping the same for the organization. So that next year, when we go back, they're going to want to have people out again as well. So it's like the only job in my life where I always say, we don't have to say no, you know, we can say yes to whatever we want to say yes to. And
1: people come with ideas and it's like, yes, let's figure out a way to make
2: this work. And that's pretty cool.
1: Sometimes I think you have to have had not the best experience. Sometimes it's something disappointing or didn't quite go with your belief. And to have the opportunity now to take, that and turn it into good has been amazing. It's so rewarding for us as a team. We look at each other all the time. Well, we look at each other every day, actually.
0: Well, you guys, I'm looking at your desk. You guys yeah. face each we other. We face
1: each yeah. other every day. Yeah. And every now and then, one of us will just pop up and scare the other and come up with something really amazing to say. And we sit and we just enjoy that moment.
0: You know, and I'm going to segue into some other questions here in a minute, but, you know, I think about comfort zone and reaching out to organizations and saying, what do you need and how can we help if that's not been, has that been a challenge to kind of get out of that comfort zone and reach out to these organizations?
2: Well, we have a couple of women that are sharing that. And so they've done a lot of that, but, but we have as well. And it's interesting. We're having to kind of really keep saying, you know, there's no catch. Like we don't want anything in return. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not, there's no catch. We just want to do something to come in and help you. And so once they get kind of past that, they're like, wow, like, yeah. So I think that's been interesting.
0: You know, it's, it is a funny thing. People go, there's gotta be a catch. And yeah. they go, oh, not so much, not yes. so much.
1: And we've had that sort of with everything we've done mm-hmm. from creating J town now to project our town. And people just, what, what's behind this? Yeah.
2: <laughs> what are you doing this for? And we've gotten some grant money and we're always mm-hmm. fundraising. But so that we try to, we really just offer things at the bottom of the price that we can. And we usually just break even on events that we're doing. And, and so hopefully our fundraising efforts will continue so that we can continue to pass that.
0: It's just kind of part of the landscape. Got to have some revenue to drive the boat. Cindy, segwaying to some of the questions here. For you guys, when you look at allocation of time or initiative, what do you think's helped your effort the most?
2: I think that we spend a lot of time talking. We talk about everything and we look at it from all different angles. And I think that that really ends up saving us time right in the end because we kind of play through things. I think we both have good instincts and I think we both have different strengths and different ways of looking at things. So I think our allocation of that time is really helpful. And sometimes we even start the day just catching up. personally and chatting and then going through and then if we're feeling overwhelmed, I get overwhelmed, I kind of get paralyzed and I'll be like, okay, I need to I need to talk. And so we'll sit down and then we can prioritize. She'll say read me your list and we can prioritize and it kind of gives me a little better direction or whatever and then it makes me feel like, okay, well, I'm going to take this one thing at a time and and we're going to be able to do that and you know, and when in the early months when it was so scary, Typically, neither one of us was down on the same day. So it, we really lucked out because there was usually if one was down, one was up and mm-hmm. could really. You
0: have an accountability up. partner. Exactly. There's some yeah. value yeah. in going, my partner's struggling today.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, well, sometimes we have to emotionally right. charge each other too. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah.
2: She'll sing me the Laverne and Shirley song, If I'm Feeling Down or, or High Hopes, you know. or, um, or we, uh,
1: When she doesn't know. have a
2: headache.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you know I, I think about the process of that of talking in the community and then when you go i guess two things one when you get a good idea what do you do with it from the discussion and have now that you're into this ways have your discussions become more formalized
1: i mean we've had times where one of us will come in and have this great idea they think and then when we start to process it and go through the steps of it or potential outcome, we'll not necessarily do a no to each other, but sort of go through what are the good or the bad, the positive, the negative. And then we go back to analyzing if it's something we really should be spending our time and our resources with. Mm-hmm. So it really has worked well for us. It, it's helped us get along really well and respect each other's thoughts and ideas. And sometimes we try things out that the other thought of and it doesn't work. And a lot of times it does. And then there's sometimes where it's like we pick up on each other's signals or, or vibe. And all of a sudden we're on the same wavelength and we're packaging something so perfectly. And that actually happens more often than not. Mm -hmm. My mom always used to tell me that you'll know like that something's
2: right. Like if you're looking at a house or. Or whatever, if you get a rush, that's what she would call it. And so that's kind of the gauge. It's like, okay, okay. I'm getting that. I'm getting that feeling. I'm getting that rush. And then we, we kind of, I think instinctively know that we're onto something when we both have
0: it.
1: We also know each other's looks. So if we have a funny look on our face, it's like, okay, next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. You know, as you've done this, what do you think the biggest misconception about your organization is?
1: Well, when we began, it was that a lot of people talk, because people talk, that we were trying to create a synagogue or a religious institution like a synagogue. And we have tried to squelch that many, many times. We actually consider ourselves more like a youth group for adults. We kind of laugh because we have our j so we're not a youth group. But that has been our biggest misconception. We're trying to create something out of the box, different and extraordinary. And we're doing it with feeling and the focus on creating relationships. And again, it's not so much about the end product of the event. It's about how people felt when they left. And sometimes they're leaving really high and sometimes they're leaving really touched. Last month, we had a worship service and we were talking, we mentioned in our speech about the children and families who had been separated from one another at the borders. And we both were terribly upset about that. And we talked about it. And then we read a passage by Maya Angelou called Caged Bird. And it was so fitting and perfect for that moment. And many of us had tears in our eyes thinking about all of the children or even our own children having that separation. So we didn't leave laughing. We left with a deep thought and not ignoring the situation, but addressing it.
0: You know, it's, I was reading a piece the other day put out by a research firm talking about the evolution of the aging population and the lack of community and creating the opportunity for some of the folks that outlive their spouse and go, what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? Their kids are everywhere nowadays instead of around. And so, you know, I think about the demographic of your organization. Be interesting to see, you know, how many of them are. Past 60, and how many of them are short of 60. They're
2: definitely a huge percentage of our population. They really are. So you're right on target with that.
0: It's an an interesting observation to see that need. You know, because, you know, the retirement nowadays, you know, let's say it's 59 or 60, and my grand aunt lived to be 99 and a half. And you go, are you really prepared for 39 years of the third act?
1: Well, and I think. And I believe that the highest attrition rate within churches and synagogues, especially when they charge membership fees, is among those empty nesters. They aren't searching for opportunities for their children anymore. They also don't have endless a lot of them don't have endless resources. Mm-hmm. So paying membership fees that are in excess of a1,000 dollars on a fixed income or on an income where you're planning your golden years that's a lot and if they're not using that on a regular basis they're dropping in for a holiday or just one or two occasions it doesn't fit those expenses with their needs so we're really catching something that's resonating well with people they do still want community but they don't want it to all be about coming to a service they want to experience the social and and emotional pieces
2: yeah And then I also wanted to address what you said about misconceptions, misunderstandings. It's not a choice. You don't have to belong to a synagogue or come to J-Town. You can do both. It's meant to be an enhancement of people's Jewish experience. It's meant to be another gateway. And half our board are still members of synagogues and lots of the people that come to our events are still members of synagogues. We're just trying to find different ways for people to be together and maybe to capture some people that aren't doing anything at all.
0: You know, the community decay, for lack of a better term. We're all busy. We all do all this stuff. You wake up one day and you go, I don't know my neighbor. You can't go to the town square, you know, in the, like in the small towns and that kind of thing. So, yeah, for sure. For you guys, when you get together in the morning and you think about the hill that you're climbing, what's the day-to-day self-talk or internal dialogue that keeps you guys focused and charged up about pursuing this labor of love for lack of a better term.
2: I think like Amy was saying, remembering and reminding each other of the experiences that we're offering. We have one couple that came for their very first time. And we happened it was right after Parkland. And so we did a special prayer for for those people and their families. And they just had moved to Denver from Parkland. So they've been like coming since then. I mean it just it just touched them and they were so like immediately they're in this new city. And now they feel like they're part of something or, you know, we think about, we do a lot of stuff that is just for fun, like an escape room and, you know, and then you see people meet other people and you hear them talking about getting together another time and just kind of reminding ourselves that, that each of these things are worth it all.
1: The great thing too about J-Town is that you can pick and choose what you want to do. We have people that really love the worship experience and then we have this great dinner afterwards and they love that. We have some people that say, you know, worship doesn't necessarily resonate with me, but I really love that project our 10 I want to get involved with that. Or they may say, I go to synagogue for worship, but I want to come to you for social. And that's what we love is that people can pick and choose what's comfortable to them.
0: You know, look at looking back over the past year or so, is there anything you guys should have said no to? And if so, why? That's an interesting question. We
1: you know, we've been very fortunate. We really don't have to say no. We do the old preschool routine, which is don't say no, redirect. <laughs> so I think we've done more of that. When somebody approaches us with an idea, a partnership, we really think it through, and we process it. We don't one of us won't agree to something without talking to the other first of all. But we really do take time to think things through and think about potential outcomes to also put limits on of what we can or cannot take on. And it's helped us in not necessarily saying no, but helping people to understand how it may or may not fit our mission. And getting them
2: involved. If this is the type of programming that you want, go find 10 other families that want to do it. And we will do all the administration. We will set it up. We will do it with you and for you. Um, and so that's been a really powerful message. And then they can, you know, put their money where their mouth is. Or yeah,
0: And it's a 501c3. That's right. Which is helpful.
2: And we're really lucky and I think different in a way from most people who start a nonprofit organization in that, well, first of all, we've worked together before and for so many years and we've worked in jobs that prepared us to do this. So a lot of times people want to open a 501c3 because they have a, a huge passion because maybe they've lost somebody to a disease or, or it's a cause that they're just really passionate about, which we have all that, but, but we also have the professional experience. So, we're kind of ahead of the game in that way. So, I think we're e- more easily able to say no when we should say no earlier on, as opposed to if we weren't seasoned kind of in all that experience what we're when doing. you guys
0: were so young. So
2: young. So young. <laughs> so young. Exactly.
0: You know, for you guys, is there a quote that gets you going or one that you guys use frequently in your organization?
2: Well, definitely the year vibe attracts your tribe. And then also lately, it's been if you want to feel good, do good. And we've talked a lot about that. Over the last couple of months with Project Our Town, as we're all feeling down about what we see or where our lives are. And so it's kind of that empowerment of you can actually do something to make yourself feel better.
0: I'm going to ask you about I Amy. Mean, does she have an unusual habit or something that you would consider Cindy? unusual? Yeah.
1: No, I don't think an unusual habit. Cindy brings out the silliness and the joy and the happiness of having a work partner. We laugh a lot, and we also sing and dance really loud and really funny. And I think that's what I, helps us enjoy coming. I would say together that's a, a
0: little unusual. I don't see a lot. Dancing,
1: yeah, she's worked with me, me before, more. so it's not unusual for her.
0: So okay, right. just now just fair take a disclosure. break for a
2: dance party. <laughs> that's right.
0: So it's your turn. Does Amy have any unusual habits, or what? Maybe somebody else would consider unusual
2: unusual habits. I think she has some pretty extraordinary characteristics that other people don't have that I don't have. I mean, she kind of oozes passion and it's contagious. And so she's really good with people. And with Project Our Town, she's given me a few heart attacks because (laughs) she started right off the bat with, we're going to have a thousand volunteers and a hundred projects. And I'm just like, <laughs> so I, I promised her she wouldn't say a thousand anymore because it scares me.
1: 999. 999. I know.
2: So I behaved during this interview. So she's like ridiculously optimistic, but it's turning out to be the truth. And she also has a gift for making people feel special and cared for. And that's how she, the executive director of a thousand plus family synagogue, and everybody felt like they knew her because she just has functiously kind of loud. Friendly voice, and
1: she remembers you, and people love her. And I guess we also make a good team because we have some different qualities than the other. So, Cindy is a communications and marketing guru, and she, from the very beginning, helped us develop our brand. And I think that a lot of what we represent is because Cindy could package it for us in a way that made sense. She has this wonderful gift of. Not only bringing out the very best of people, even when they're down, she can help them see something terrific about themselves, but also really being able to approach things from what do we think people want to hear? And if I'm to read this, what do I want to read? And it has helped us a lot. We have people say our marketing and our communication is so unique and very powerful. And that's because of Cindy. So we just have a great relationship.
0: Who knew you had such antennas that you could link into all of this?
1: Who knew?
2: I was raised that no matter what's happening, you find humor. And it's a huge part of life. And also that there's always something to be grateful for, always. And so I try to to do that and I try to push it on Amy. (laughs) She's great about that. And if she won't smile, then I'll have to do something crazy to get her to smile, but I'll, I'll eventually get her to laugh. And it's probably not even appropriate to say some of the things that I do. <laughs>
0: well, you guys have been very well behaved so far. I know. And we're I only know. halfway through the, well, not even halfway through the teenies I mean.
1: I know. We're taking our time to make I sure know. we make sense.
2: <laughs> I promised my husband that I wouldn't wouldn't be too inappropriate.
0: So. <laughs> you know, in, in looking back, Is there a failure or an apparent failure that you guys think has helped propel the success of the organization now?
2: I think it's not a failure per se, but we left um, our previous place of employment with a lot of goals that we weren't able to finish and a lot of passion that we didn't know where to put when we left and kind of a lot of of pain and a lot of, of loss just on many different levels. And... I think that it did end up, I think a mistake could be that we maybe sat in it too long. We did. But I think in the end, it's turned out to really help us along the way. I think it well, first of all, our, you know, I think our bond is even stronger because of it. And and to be able to go through stuff together, it's obviously easier than alone. And I think that we both had the same passion and nowhere to put it at the exact same time. And these skills was just kind of like Crazy, meant to be,
0: maybe. You guys can execute on your passion.
2: It's like we didn't know where to put it. And that's where when we first talked about it, we weren't finding jobs that we wanted. It's like, I don't know where to put all this passion because we were just so in. So we were able to find a place to put it.
0: You know, and I've been harassing you guys for a while now. No visible marks, but, you know, that's okay. And she's now starting to drink heavier.
1: Yes, she is.
0: (laughs) You know, and, and thinking about somebody's listening, go, I want to do something like that like what you guys are doing in my community, what advice would you guys offer to that person?
1: Well, there—that that is such a good question. First of all, we already talked about having the right support. I think when you're, well, first of all, all nonprofits rely on volunteers to some degree, lay people or volunteers, whatever you want to call it. And I feel like in order to, you have to share your passion, you also need to make it very worthwhile for that person or those people so to me, for instance, with the project Our Town, we have this great end goal in mind. A thousand people, 80 projects, whatever it's going to be, and impact of a lot of people. For our leadership community and for all the people that are engaged in working on it, to me, it's also the process they take, the road they take with us that's important. So the process is is it important. As the end result in a way, because if you engage those volunteers and they see the passion and they also have fun doing it and they get true meaning from it, they're going to do it again. There's nothing worse than having a one and done with volunteers. So I think the biggest compliment to us will be next year when we start again with Project Our Town to have those same people return. And I think on a more practical side, it's hard. It's so worthwhile,
2: but it's hard. And they should plan on not getting paid more than peanuts for at least a year. And it would be really hard to do alone unless you're really good at a lot of things. Even just the 501 C3 paperwork was so daunting. We had to luckily, we had people on our board with experience, so we were able to get a little help with that. Filling out grants if you've never done it before is so daunting. So I think gathering up uh, a gang, mm-hmm. you know of people with different strengths, is really important. And it takes a long time. I think we are really lucky. And I think wow. we're unusual with how fast it all happened. Yeah. And to us it's even felt like it's taken a long time.
1: So time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really, as our president Cheryl would say, having a strategic plan for each aspect of what you're doing. It's not a quick, I'm gonna go this path or or make this program work. You really have to think through and have some concrete ideas behind it.
2: And I think just having, like, we really feel like if you have 10 people come to a program, you got to make those 10 people have the greatest time at that program and walk away being happy, even if you had hoped that you would have 50. And so small differences matter. As long as you're meeting your mission, you don't need to go in and, and kick off with being able to raise, you know, a half million dollars for whatever cause it is or Being able to do a gala, like there's no way we could do like an annual gala. I mean, we just don't, we're nowhere near that. But if you can do something that makes a difference, even one person's Mm -hmm. life that joins you, then you are doing your mission and you'll get there. And you have to be really fulfilled by that.
0: You know, for you guys, if people wanted to reach out to you, how do they find you on social media?
2: Well, if for Project Our Town, we have uh, projectourtown.org and email is info at. ProjectRtown.org. And then Jtown is JtownCO, like for Colorado.org. And then info at JtownCO.org. So we're pretty easy, pretty easy to find. We got our domains in there um, and we've got our patents on the way too. So our our trademark. Sorry. Our trademark. Sorry.
1: Cindy has it all arranged for us. Thank goodness, because those are skills that we have to have and she has them. She designed our website. She designs everything we do. She um, Well, and there's a whole business side of it. Even before you can get cool. your your
2: nonprofit status, you have to know how to put together a board. and um, You have to have your bylaws done. You have to have all this paperwork filed. I mean, it's like a business.
0: It is um, a business. It you know, just has so you, a different tax ID.
2: Yeah. Correct. That's and, nice. you know, luckily Amy knew how to do a lot of that. And, I mean, sometimes we sit on the Secretary of State's website with this form we're supposed to fill out <laughs> and it's like, What does this mean? And then you have to pay fifty dollars if you fill it out wrong and you have to redo it. Just just a little tip. (laughs) We might have done that. Maybe once. (laughs) Maybe once or twice.
0: Well, I tell you, Cindy, Amy, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys taking time to share your success and your aspirations. And, you know, a big thank you for helping out in the community.
1: Thank you for doing this wonderful opportunity with us and for us and it's an honor to share what,
0: what we're doing. You bet. Well, thanks a lot.
1: Thank you.